You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, before we pray, I just wanted to make sure you know that the visitation for Mark Kelly is from 2 to 5 today. It's in our community center. Um, and it's just an open house kind of style visitation. So uh, feel free to stop by. And I also want to encourage you, um, if, uh, if you feel so moved, to send a card to Cindy Knott. Just let her know that we're thinking of her. I know it's been very hard for her not to be able to be in, in person for worship, and um, I know she'd appreciate just knowing that we're thinking of her. So if you need the address, you can contact me or, or the office, and we'll help you with that. And now let's pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to just start with a little quiz of fill in the blank. All right, fill in uh, the words. Ask not what your country can do for you. Okay. All we have to fear is... Give me a break, give me a break, break me off a piece of that. All right. Now, have you ever heard these? Where's the beef? May the force be with you. To the moon, Alice. How you doing? Hello, Newman. Mama always says life is like a box of chocolates. All of these phrases have become a part of our culture, and we pretty much know their origins. So let's play another game. Is this from the Bible or not? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Is that in the Bible? Yeah. yeah. How about, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. Come, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Make me an instrument of thy peace, Lord. Good. Well, the choir's all here. Choir, you have to... You, you, <laughs> they were here for service. Wait a minute. <laughs> all right. Be in the world, not of the world. No. Love the sinner, hate the sin? No. Everything happens for a reason. No. Good. 
all of these, are, there, we find that we have a lot of well-meaning statements that we say that we think are from the Bible or at least are biblically based, but they aren't. Some things that we say are harmless, others can be harmful. In a desire to search for meaning, for answers, for comfort, even in an effort to find control where, is, where there is none, we offer platitudes that come from a point of faith, but that we say without realizing that sometimes they can cause more harm. Years ago, when Pope John Paul died, a friend of mine who's a very uh, devout Catholic, goes to Mass every week at least once, um, gave birth to a stillborn baby just a few days before his death. And someone close to her in her life said to her, God must have wanted the perfect little cherub to welcome the Pope to heaven. Now, of course, this person said this to her in an effort to offer her comfort and help her to feel better about what happened, but instead it left her having more questions. Why would God do that? Why didn't her baby matter? Is God really that selfish that God wouldn't take my friend's feelings into account? Is the Pope more important to God than the baby? Sometimes we say things to try to make a horrible situation better, but really that's not possible, and it's not what people need. Over the next three weeks, we are looking at some well-meaning statements. Everything happens for a reason. God never gives you more than you can handle, and God helps those who help themselves. We're going to use um, Adam Hamilton's book, Half-Truths, God Helps Those Who Help Themselves and Other Things the Bible Doesn't Say. And the book that we recently read in my book club uh, by Kate Bowler, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. So I want to just recommend those to you. Uh, there are resources for this series, and they're also just good, helpful books. Adam Hamilton says, Here's why it's important to examine these particular phrases. I think they can sometimes hurt people. I think they can lead people to conclusions about God that not only are untrue, but that may push some people away from God. Some of these phrases are used to avoid careful thinking about complex issues, and some are used to justify our own biases or prejudices. Some, when spoken to others, can bring pain. Today we start with Everything Happens for a Reason. In her book, Kate Bowler tells a story, um, well, it's a, it's a whole memoir, really, of her experience when she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And she tells the story of how one day um, her husband went to the door and one of their neighbors was there. And um, she was talking with him and she said to him, everything happens for a reason. And her husband replied, well, I'd love to hear it. Pardon, she said. She was startled by the response. The reason my wife is dying. The neighbor stammered and something and she handed him a casserole and she left. Now the first time that I heard that phrase I was in high school and I was at this um, training at my church. We were starting this new ministry, like uh, caring ministers, that was similar to like the Stephen ministers and, and programs like that and they were 
talking to us about how to talk with people and how to come alongside people when they're going through difficult times. And um, one of the people kept saying, one of the trainers kept saying, just remember everything happens for a reason. And every time she said that, my mom would just like, because she and I were taking it together, she would just like make some faces. And I didn't really understand why she kept saying that, and I was trying to process it and what that meant. I, I got very stuck on it. In fact, I don't remember anything else about that training. And so I was stuck with it and trying to make sense out of this phrase, and I asked my mom uh, what she thought, and in her typical way, she told me it was baloney, uh, to, to put it nicely, and that uh, the woman was wrong, and she clearly had very strong feelings about this. Because if everything happens, then the deadly car accident happened for a reason. Not because of carelessness or distraction or bad luck, but for a reason. And the cancer diagnosis happened for a reason. Not because cancer just happens, but it happened for a reason. And the couple who struggles with infertility struggles with infertility not because there's a hormonal explanation or other medical reasons, causes, but for a reason. When we say everything happens for a reason, the implication is that God caused it. God made it happen, and that God had reasons. Why would God cause a car accident to kill someone? Why would God give someone cancer? Why would God prevent a couple from having a child but allow others? I don't know about you, but that's not the God I know. And it's certainly not the God I want to worship. In our search for meaning and desire to offer comfort and offer explanation, we can end up turning someone away from God during a time when they need God most. There are times when we are being logical or practical, and we might mean everything happens for a reason because Actions create consequences, and there's cause and effect in our world, and the choices that we make have results. We just have to be careful of when and how we say it, and maybe even find different words, recognizing there's no biblical foundation to the notion that everything happens for a reason. You can't find it anywhere in the Bible. And usually when we say it, when we say everything happens for a reason— it's because we don't know how else to respond to suffering. Now, we might not say it exactly like that. We might say, it must be God's will, or it was meant to be. No one knows God's timing. It's all a part of God's plan. God never gives you more than you can handle. As if God willing something to happen makes it easier or better that really just messes up our understanding of God. And it's problematic for a number of reasons. It suggests that there's predestination, that God has a set plan and everything goes according to that plan. God is therefore in charge of everything, making everything that happens God's will. I found a parking space. It must be God's will. My team won the Super Bowl. must be God's will. It didn't rain when I went to Cedar Point. That was one I had as a kid must be God's will. This could all also mean that God is on my side. God hears my prayers and not yours. 
in such a world, there's no room for free will. God's the great puppeteer responsible for all of our actions, and we have no need for Jesus or taking responsibility and a lot of faulty logic. We end up with a prosperity gospel in which those who have good things happen to them are in God's favor, and those who have bad things must have done something wrong. Or it ends up with apathy. Why does it matter what I do? It's God's will. So why bother wearing my seatbelt or eating healthy or being kind to others? God will do what God will do. I like today's scripture instead. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. That says to me that God doesn't cause bad things. God brings good. God does not cause suffering. God gives grace in the face of suffering. We know this through Christ Jesus who triumphed over death on a cross. We know that God's will is for life and for wholeness, so God works in the midst of pain to give us hope, to give us wholeness. We who love God can see that. We can recognize it when we look for it. We can see that God does God paves a way. God puts people in our lives. God opens doors and works in situation to offer grace. God helps people to respond and works miracles through doctors and nurses. And sometimes what we want, what we pray for, what we cling to and hope for, isn't what the, the end result is. But in all things, God is working for good giving us tools to get through, even if it's through the gift of ultimate healing, through death. Tragedy happens, but in it, God works. And one of the most important ways that God works is through others, and we know that. But we do worry about saying the wrong thing and what's exactly the right thing to say. We worry about doing what's right. And so sometimes we opt to do nothing because we don't want to bother them. We don't want to somehow disrupt them or, or remind them of what's happening as if they've forgotten. Often in that case, when we don't do anything, people feel abandoned. They feel forgotten. So that's not the best answer. And it's important to follow their lead in the appendix of Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved, Kate Bowler shares words and actions that we can offer instead of platitudes and solutions that are said from a place of kindness but aren't always kind. Instead, we can say, I'd love to bring you a meal this week. Can I text or email you about it? Now, often people struggle with saying what they need. And so if we just say, here... I'd like to do this, and send them a text or an email so that they don't have to respond immediately and follow up with them with specifics. I'd like to bring you a pot of chicken soup on Thursday. Would that be okay? That's a great way to offer kindness. Say something that you admire about the person. You are a beautiful person. Okay, don't, don't be creepy, but say something that's affirming to them. Everyone can appreciate a word of affirmation, and especially if you're going through something like cancer when you are losing your hair and you're scared out of your mind, a kind word is a tremendous blessing. 
Or you can say, I'm so grateful to hear how you're doing and just know that I'm on your team. People don't just want to talk about everything that they're going through and rehearse over and over again the doctor's appointments or what's happening. Sometimes they just want to talk. When I was 27, I had a pretty significant surgery, and um, that was my first time really being in the hospital, and uh, the district superintendent came to sit with Mike and me before the surgery and to pray with us. And um, it was when the Harry Potter books were coming out, and I hadn't read them, and my brother had decided that since I had eight weeks off, I needed to read the, the three or four books that were out during that time. And so the DS sat there and talked about Harry Potter with us, and it just took up all of that time. And I was so nervous and anxious that it was really wonderful to talk about something else. And then she prayed with us, and I went off to surgery. You can also say, can I give you a hug? A lot of times people feel isolated and just want to be touched, and a hug can be a blessing. Now, of course, you want to say, can I give you a hug? Because you don't know what their physical pain uh, limitations are, and so um, it's nice to ask first, but give them a hug. Oh, that sounds so hard. If we have a willingness to hear the hard stuff, to be present, for the painful reality and not give a, a solution, just affirm their experience, it's an incredible blessing, a gift to them. And finally, silence. You don't have to say anything. Your presence can be the most needed gift. Sitting with someone, holding their hand, is often what's needed most. We just get it in our heads that we're supposed to say something perfect, and so we worry about that, and, and we want to have exactly the right words when really we can't make it better. So the nicest thing, the best gift, is to just show up and shut up. Jesus offered a ministry of presence, coming alongside people, hearing their stories, offering healing and hope. We're called to walk in Jesus' footsteps, we might not sound like Jesus, we might not have all those perfect words, but we can offer that kind of ministry of presence that offers healing and hope. We can offer a caring, compassionate, loving presence that just helps someone make it through the day. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.